0: The Colorado Equal Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Rack and
1: Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 176 for the week of August 17th. Alex, uh, how are you doing this week? I'm uh, I'm good. How are you, Rob? I can't complain. Uh, you know, we were just mentioning before we started recording, the, the fires have been uh, very noticeable. We we went out for a bike ride yesterday out to Cherry Creek Reservoir, and uh, the air wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't a really great time to go for a bike ride. No,
0: it, I mean, it's it's sad. I mean, the fires in general are sad, but, the you know, then the air quality, too, it just makes you not want to go outside. My, you know, your eyes itch and yes. sniffly and coughing and stuff like that. It's no good.
1: And, of course, I mean uh, – I, and I haven't done a ton of reading, but I, I heard that uh, one of the big fires over by Glenwood, um, you know, all the, the whole other side of the mountain range from us. Um, so if it's impacting us, it's just some, I'm sure being anywhere in the mountains or over there has been terrible. Certainly, thoughts are with those folks.
0: Yeah, and I think the one that is north of Grand Junction, I think, is like in the top ten biggest fires in Colorado or something like that. So it's like, like history, a, you mean? Like ever? yeah, wow. yeah. There's a it's a big one.
1: Uh, Well, obviously a lot of, a lot of risk there for families and uh, businesses. Hopefully, hopefully people get that under control and folks stay safe. Exactly. But we can't, this is not the Colorado equals fire show. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about some security, you know, reminder, we have a Slack channel with a vibrant 1500 plus people contributing. We just added a new channel this week for, uh, oh man, what was there? was a food and drink one and, and a Dungeons yep. and Dragons channel at the request of a few folks. So oh, I,
0: I missed that one.
1: Whatever your niche is, uh, they're they're getting created.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if you come in and there's no place to talk about something, we're happy to make you a channel. Um, and,
1: and if you're wondering, but how do I get access to this thing? Go Ooh, out to colorado securitycom and click on the Slack button and you'll find your way there. Uh, just as easy as that.
0: Also, while you're on the website, uh, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a form to fill out to put your email address on our mailing list. That mailing list does one thing and one thing only. It gets you one email a week with the show notes as soon as the podcast
1: comes out. And and of course, we are excited to for you guys to know what's coming, and that's all we ever do. Uh, we, we, we would love to do more, but we don't have any time for it. Uh, we'd love it if you would also rate us and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite Podcatcher—that's the way they say it now. Instead of podcast listening app, it's your podcatcher. So, whatever your podcatcher is, rate us and subscribe, so folks can find the show. Also, uh, reach out to everybody you know
0: and tell them—friends, uh, foes, enemies, allies, relatives, whoever it might be—let them know about Colorado Equal Security and all the stuff that's going on here. Send them to the website, have them listen to the podcast. Uh, we love you, people, spreading the
1: word around so we can get more people involved. And of course, uh, if you want us to do even more than that, there's another, a couple other ways you could participate. Uh, we have a Patreon campaign. You can financially help support the show. And we do really appreciate the, the folks who are sponsoring us. Um, you know, it, it makes a big difference for us to, to rather than you know, paying for all of this out of pocket, to have some of that helped out by the community. It uh, means a lot. It means you know, we're part of a, a group effort. So thanks for those who do it. Yeah.
0: And then, of course, as part of the podcast, we try and have an interview every week. Um, It has become harder and harder for Rob and I to get those interviews done for various reasons. So if you want to interview somebody, uh, we would love for you to do that. Uh, Reach out. We can help you get set up and maybe even find uh, some people that you might be able to interview. Um, Or if you have somebody that you know you'd like to hear on the show, then maybe uh, reach out to them and then we can
1: figure out how to get that interview done. Awesome. Uh, We have a couple of uh, cool pieces of news in, in the community. You know, one thing that we started doing last year uh, based on feedback and requests from the community was a Colorado equal security salary survey. So instead of, uh, you know, instead of having to, to trust recruiters or uh, other, you know, or monster.com or whatever, we figured we could do our own salary survey and, and anyone who contributes to that, will get the results and hopefully use that for your next uh, job career decisions and negotiations. Um, it's underway right now. Um, the the link to that will be in the show notes and it's also in the, uh, in the Slack channel and in the, in the general channel. We'll keep, In people about that, we'll have it open for a few weeks, but um, get it in there early so you don't forget, and uh, certainly you can get the results when it's all done.
0: Also, uh, we have a book club that was started through the Slack channel. This month is the the second month of that book club, and they are reading The Hard Thing about Hard Things. The meeting that they are going to have to talk about the book is going to be on the 27th of August. So, if you are interested in participating in the book club, uh, first thing would be to get that book but then also join the Slack channel and the book club channel and you can get all the details there.
1: Awesome. All right, let's jump over into the news. Uh, big, the big news this, this uh, week is a, a big acquisition. Um, so Denver based Vertifor, which was actually the fourth largest tech employer here in town um, was acquired from the the private equity firms that owned them in a $5.35 billion deal.
0: That's a pretty good number there, Rob. Um Lots of Bs lots of in that. So uh, congratulations to Vertifor. Uh, Vertifor, if you don't know what they do, they make uh, software for simplifying and automating uh, insurance. So uh, they're pretty widely used at this point, and
1: uh, it seems like they're only on the way up. Yeah, they sell, they sell to insurance companies. Uh, I did, uh, And we, we talked about a Vertifor quite a few times because they moved their headquarters to Denver a few years ago. Um, the, the CISO over there, Steven Edmonds is a, as a friend and, and former colleague of mine. Um, it sounds like a pretty good thing. You know, Roper, the company that bought them in their history has never sold a company. They, they buy companies for the long haul and they, they look for these um, B2B. So, so Vertifor sells to insurance companies, not to consumers. They look for B2B software companies that they can, uh, they can help optimize and, and help run for the long haul. So this is a good thing. And you're not gonna be changing names. They shouldn't be losing any employees. Uh, it's going to be, you know, just kind of the, the future for Vertifor in a new organization.
0: Yeah. Also, it, it seems like it was probably a good thing for the private equity companies that owned them prior to the sale. Um, I think that they bought them for
1: about half as much as what they sold them for. So nothing wrong with that. If you can double your money and I, I think doubling your money at, um, you know, at a million dollars is a lot different than doubling your money at $2.7 <laughs> $2. billion, right? Like they, they, it's a good return. They're, they're probably pretty happy on that, uh, on that chunk of change they got out of it.
0: Yep. All right. Next, uh, there's a story this week talking about how Colorado public companies are making progress on getting women onto their boards. So uh, that's pretty cool. I feel like we've talked about stories like this before. I'm sure this is something that comes out uh, annually ish. And, uh, and this time around, it showed that uh, this study showed that 19% of uh, board positions at just under 100 Colorado public companies are held by women. Um, previously, uh, this was 2011, uh, was the previous data point that they have, and it was only 7% held board positions. So that's a pretty big jump.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that's fantastic. I think that it's, it's nice to see that the movement is making a difference and, and it's reasonable to say that the, uh. The reflection, or excuse me, the, the composition of the board of directors is going to make a big difference in diversity inside those companies. Um, you can see at the top of the list, I'm, I'm not sure if I can say this right, but Viveve Medical is the the company that has 50% of their board is women. That's the only company in Colorado with, a, with that high percentage. But number two, right behind them is Vail Resorts with four out of nine of their board members. Um, it being being women, so that there are a number of companies that I recognize on the list. Davita's near the top. Ball Aerospace, Newmont Corp. Um, so so companies who you know and love are, are are making an effort here, and I and I know it's a, it's a big trend that we're going to keep seeing moving forward. I hope.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I do think that that's a good thing, and I, I think we're only going to
1: see it improve in the future. All right. Uh, so our next story is actually it's a press release by by OtterBox or it's Otter Products, um, and they you know they they're the company who I think we all know for what decades have made these highly durable phone cases, right? And if you don't, didn't know it, they are headquartered up in Fort Collins. They're one of our local Colorado companies. Um, you know, they're getting in on the COVID thing. And in addition to their you know, high quality, durable cases, they, they're now making sanitization products.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in general, people have known about OtterBox as long as the iPhone's been around, right? So as, you know, as soon as the, the iPhone came out and you had this super expensive phone that basically exploded when you dropped it, um, you know, they've been making cases to make that uh, much more safe. Uh, but yeah, they have these uh, these devices that you can put your phone in and it will use UV, UV light uh, to kill some of the germs on there. 99.9% of them, 99% in, in fact. Um, so the devices are called phone soap, um, but there is no soap. The, the UV light is the soap. <laughs> Don't
1: throw it in the water, please. Right. Yeah, uh, it's, it's cool. If you click the link in the store, you can see a picture of the of the device and you can see the little UV light shining going on there. Um, I, I didn't know something like this cr- was created and, and I think it's going to be a good idea. It's a good market for them to create.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know part of this is talking about going back to school. Obviously, you want to keep devices uh, clean as you go back to school. But I mean, in addition to that, you're going to have probably shared devices at schools um, and being able to keep those clean is even more important.
1: Yeah, as a a parent, I'm not sure how I can best help with that problem, Um, but I I certainly think it's an important one.
0: For sure. All right, Uh, next we have a story talking about the 2020 Inc. 5000 list, and this is a list that I know we've talked about in the past, Um, and these are the 5,000 fastest-growing companies in America, and so there were a number of companies in
1: Colorado – um, one hundred and fifty one in fact that were on the list so it, so the way they measure growth is is from where the revenue was in two thousand and sixteen, and you had to have a minimum of one hundred thousand in revenue back in two thousand and sixteen and then where your revenue was in two thousand and nineteen with a minimum of two million there, so your ratio between those two years, uh, so yeah like you said over one hundred and fifty in Colorado. Um, I, there's a few I, I pulled out. I'll say there is a security company on the list, Direct Defense. Uh, we've talked about those guys on the show a number of times. They were number 2,904.
0: Uh, also, not surprisingly, um, there were several uh, marijuana companies in Colorado that were uh, on that list. Um, but
1: the, the number one Colorado company on the list I had never heard of is called BrewMate. Yeah, uh, either. Insulated drinkware. Um, they came in at number 14 with nearly 12,000% growth.
0: That is pretty big. Um, also, Guild Education, who we've talked about uh, several times on the show, was uh, just under
1: 10,000% growth. Uh, yeah. All
0: those are gigantic numbers.
1: Yeah, there was a bunch of, uh, bunch of other companies that we talk about on the show quite a bit that made the list. Guild Education, you've just mentioned, Pax8, Ibotta, Bonusly, um, track via Data Veil, those are tech companies. And, and I, I pulled out the fact that Chiba Hut made the list. I don't know if you know Chiba Hut is a, yeah. a sandwich joint. Uh, pretty funny to see those guys make the list. Um,
0: joint is is key in the in their name there. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. there, was also, one, there was one company that I called out on this list that's not a Colorado one because the number one highest ranking, yeah. com- highest growth company in the entire country was a security and privacy company called OneTrust out of yeah. out of Atlanta.
0: I was going to mention that as well. Um, you know, OneTrust is is really big in in privacy, um, helping with um, you know privacy requests from individuals and things like that, and with GDPR and CCPA and and other uh, regulations like that, where, where people need to track requests and you know process people's consumer information uh, deletion requests, things like that. That um, they're just exploding.
1: Yeah, we. So I had never heard of them in 2016, and I'm now a customer of theirs. So yeah, that's there you go. Anecdote for you, right?
0: Exactly. That, All right. That's so why they're at forty thousand percent growth. Forty
1: thousand percent. Wow, that's a big number. All right. Yeah. Uh, moving along here, our next story is about a uh, a Boulder company called Stream that does in app messaging, and they have just landed a fifteen million dollar Series A investment.
0: Yeah. So uh, they do, uh, as you mentioned, in app messaging. Um, And basically helping companies insert those kind of things into their applications in an easier way, as opposed to having to develop them themselves. And, you know, part of the story here is talking about how initially when uh, COVID hit, you know, they had some pretty big impacts because current customers, all of a sudden their revenues were drying up. So they were losing some customers, but then as everyone moved to doing everything virtual, all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of new companies that needed to, uh, do the things that, that they help them do.
1: Uh, they do have some some names of their customers on the list. Uh, I know PowerSchool pretty well. Uh, they they're like an online learning company. StockTwits, <laughs> StockTwits, um, Match, TaskRabbit. So some you know for some fairly big companies that, that work with them. And it's nice to see a a Boulder, a Colorado based company do well and hopefully grow some staff and bring some more jobs to the area.
0: Yeah, uh, good for them. Uh, next, we have another story this week talking about the ransomware attack from uh, Lafayette that we talked about a little bit last week. This one is actually from the Colorado Sun, and uh, you know we are fans of the Colorado Sun here um, and of uh, Tamara Chung, who is the the technology reporter over there um, so this one goes into a little bit more detail than the story we had last week, which I think was probably from the denver post um, some Some similar information talking about you know what happened in Lafayette and other events that have happened in Colorado, um, in the, the recent past, uh, but lots of good detail about what's going on.
1: Yeah. We, well, I think we've said this in the past, but you know, the way I look at Colorado sun is, you know, they do the kind of reporting that we're too lazy to do. And I appreciate the fact that Tamra gets it done and, you know, it's nice to see some of the security folks that we know, like Benjamin Edelman, who's the, we've had on the show previously and he's the CISO for the city of Boulder and Debbie White, the, the CISO for the state of Colorado, they were help helping this. And, um, uh, helping the uh, Lafayette recover from the incident, I, I think it's just great to see the community in action. Definitely. Um, I think I'm up next, right? Coal Fire. Uh, we have a story this week from Coal Fire, um, and it's all about how to scope your ISO 27001 certification. So, you know, this is—I'll tell you—you you know, a few years ago when I decided I wanted to go after ISO for my current employer, um, I, it was—it it, would have been really useful to have an article like this that just kind of <laughs> starts from scratch. What is? What, what does it look like at the beginning, and and how do I decide what should be in scope, and how do I decide um, where what physical offices I need to do? It gets a little bit intimidating. This is a great, approachable, relatively short article that's uh, a good way for you to get your introduction to ISO.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great just idea in general too, right? So if you're if you're trying to do some sort of uh, compliance certification, whether it's ISO or something else, and um, you know, it can it can seem pretty daunting if you think, oh, well, I have to apply um, all of these controls across everything that I do, um, that may not not be the case. So um, I think thinking about first what is in scope for what you're really trying to accomplish is important. And uh, there are definitely some good points in the article that that, uh, reflect that. Yeah, good enough. Cool. Um, Next, there was an article from the National Cybersecurity Center uh, talking about mobile voting, and what the opportunities and challenges are with, uh, with mobile voting. Yeah, I think in this year's election cycle, there was you know, initially some talk about uh, electronic voting, maybe not necessarily mobile voting, but some sort of electronic voting, and then you know, mail, wider mail-in voting, all because of the, the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, but this really is going into how we could potentially do um, voting from for mobile phones or things like that, and, and why we still aren't doing that.
1: And I think it, it does a good job talking about where the risks are. You know, it it seems like, hey, the technology exists. We should be able to do it. Um, but one thing, you know, you, we don't maybe put in mind is the fact that there is no centralized voting authority, right? This is all state-based. So you, ha- you have to get your states to be uh, bought into whatever you're going to do. So it, it just takes a, a more of a collaborative approach to getting a consensus-based approach to get anything done. You just can't dictate stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, and then, um, you know, it, it's pretty high stakes, right? You, you, can't, you can't really get this long, wrong and have a successful election. Um, you know, I have heard people say before, well, you know, if I can do banking on my phone, why can't I do voting on my phone? Um, and sound as, as strange as it may sound, there's actually a, a greater um, leeway for fraud in financial services than there would be in
1: something like voting. Yeah, it's kind of built into the system. Uh, I think if you have, uh, if you can't trust your, your elected officials, it it does an awful lot of damage to your, your society in general. Definitely. All right. So next we'll jump over to Optiv released a report this week. Um, It's their 2020 cyber threat intelligence estimate, exploring vulnerability attack methodology and vertical industry trends. So there's a a pretty good mouthful there. Um, But really what it's coming down to is just telling you what's going on in terms of attackers in the world right now.
0: Yeah. Um, it seems like in general, this is the time for whatever reason, maybe it's because uh, virtual black hat just happened that all of the companies are releasing their uh, 2020 reports on 2019 activity. Um, but uh, so some interesting uh, information in here talking about, you know, where the threats are in verticals and um, other things like that. What was for sale on the dark web Um, lots of good information if you're really looking to see uh, where attacks are happening and what is being targeted.
1: Yeah, I thought that uh, one of the interesting stats that they they called out here in the summary is that 46% of um, marketplace sales were were actually for passports or other illegal documents. So it's kind of interesting that I wouldn't have probably thought of that as being the, the top of the list, but apparently that's what the bad guys are most looking for.
0: Yeah, um, and also nearly two thirds of the incidents in the sample were phishing and brand misuse. So, I think not surprisingly, those are uh, the the biggest avenues of attack these days.
1: Good stuff. Our last story is uh, is actually one from security pursuit. We haven't had a lot of their content in the past, but I thought this was a, an interesting topic and one that's timely. It's how businesses can prepare for the oncoming, um, IOT surge. How do you get your, your company ready for IOT? Yeah.
0: I I thought it was a good primer in that talking about, um, you know, what they mean by IOT and, and what types of IOT risks there are, you know, where you should be looking for these things, um, and then, you know, some potential things that you can look at, like um, the OWASP guide for uh, top 10 for IoT devices. Um, so yeah, a good intro to that and some good information on, you know, what you should look for in securing IoT devices.
1: I did appreciate it at the beginning, they they kind of break the IoT uh, use cases into five different ones. Um, and and I, I bet most of us have a have a tendency to kind of think of one or maybe two of these five as, you know, what, what does IOT mean? And it probably de- just depends on what our exposure is. So like consumer IOT is one category, voice assistance and smart homes things. That, and I'll, I'll be honest, that's probably the one that comes to mind first for me. Uh, but then they get into, they call commercial IoT so pacemakers in healthcare or vehicle tracking for industrial fleets, um, industrial IOTs, so like HVAC, or excuse me, HVAC, digital control systems and smart agriculture. Uh, infrastructure IOT for smart city applications and then the last one which I, I probably wouldn't have thought of at all is uh, military IOT so wearable combat biometric sensors drones and surveillance robots um, interesting that, you know they're kind of helping us think of these different categories so we don't we don't miss something that's probably critical
0: uh, and I think I agree I would not think of the military IOT one but it is probably the most important one because uh, that's Really, the only one that can, uh, you know, potentially cause damage to your house if it was, uh, if it's taken over, you know, having a drone all of a sudden come after you.
1: Yep, uh, it's good to see that. And of course, this is from our friend Steve Fox. Uh, we we probably should have him on the show one of these days, or back on the show. Have we had him in the past? You know, yeah. I I think I don't think we have.
0: I, I remember talking to him at one point about getting an interview, and I don't think it ever happened.
1: Yeah, we we gotta get him on the show. All right. Uh, that's it for news. Let's go ahead and jump over to the Slack message of the week. Big thanks to Andre Gaeta. Andre has been a, a, a extraordinarily loyal supporter of the show for the whole time we've been around. And he's, uh, every week allows us to to give a prize to one of the great comments we have in the Slack, uh, Slack board this week. Um, so this week, who do we have, Alex? Uh,
0: this week, the Slack message of the week goes to Jason Jakes. Um, Jason has been trying to sort of in general, organize fun things for for the community. Um, and recently is organizing a fantasy football league for uh, Colorado Equals Security. So if you're on the Slack channel, you may have seen the announcements about that. But his post was posting the the trophy that will be awarded to the winner of this year's fantasy football league, which is a, a pretty cool looking trophy.
1: It is actually beautiful. I, I, you know, I opted out of fantasy football just due to time constraints, but I kind of wish I had got in there now that I've seen it. Uh, you know, you might be able to. I don't know if there's still any spots left. And uh, uh, I'd also point out, Jason's also regularly organizing poker tournaments. So anyone who wants to get involved, uh, get get in the Slack channel and, and meet some folks.
0: Yeah, and you great. may also notice uh, or recognize him from doing some of our guest interviews. So awesome. he's everywhere.
1: He's everywhere. We love it. So Jason will get to pick one item out of the Colorado Equal Security store. And uh, we will look forward to seeing more great Slack messages from him next week.
0: Awesome. Let's move over to events. Uh, we've got a few events upcoming in the next couple of weeks. First, uh,
1: Cloud Security Alliance is doing their August meeting on the 18th. Uh, we, on the 20th, we have the Colorado Springs ISSA chapter doing their August online series.
0: On the 25th, Denver ISSA is doing
1: a behavior-centric approach to sur- securing data. On the twenty sixth, ISC, ISC squared Pikes Peak is doing their August chapter meeting.
0: On the twenty seventh, ASIS, uh, the Physical Security Group, is doing a Women in Security coffee
1: chat with Carrie Darling. And I got to point out that some it's not it's not yet so we shouldn't be talking about it yet. But in a couple of weeks, ASIS is doing a uh, a skeet shooting event. Um, so if if you are someone who loves to shoot, uh, this is an event you might look at. And I think it's sometime in middle September. You can go out to Colorado Equal Security colorado-security.com to to find our event calendar and um, find all the events, all the details out there. Awesome. Uh, I guess last one for this month is on the 28th. DC 303 is doing their August meeting that's online and uh, should be a lot of fun. All right. Let's jump over to jobs. Uh, All right. University of Colorado, Denver, the Anschutz medical campus is hiring a director of IT security and compliance. Now, is this working with you, Alex?
0: Um, this is not working with me. It does have the Anschutz name on it, but it is uh, not part of our organization. Just something that uh, Mr. Anschutz put his name on. So, uh, next job, Corhio is looking for
1: a cybersecurity officer. Corhio is a medical he said help help doctors get placed. Is that what you talk, said earlier? Uh, yeah, it's a medical services company.
0: You know, so it's not um, not a hospital uh, yeah. kind of organization, but you know, in the medical
1: industry. Uh, Ball Aerospace is hiring an information systems security officer. That's probably on their cleared side based on that title. Twitter is looking for a staff
0: product manager for security, privacy, and data protection. I thought that sounded pretty cool.
1: Yeah, a product manager for for those. I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly what that means because I don't think they have security products. Maybe they're building some or maybe this is just how they embed security into their
0: internal products.
1: Uh, Well, Blue Team Alpha, the the company, Blue Team Alpha, is hiring senior security engineer focused on incident response. Nelnet uh, is looking for a cybersecurity engineer for servers. Zoom is hiring a senior security analyst for their SOC. Elevation's credit union is looking for an information security engineer. Charles
0: Schwab is hiring a senior cloud security engineer. And finally, Galvanize is looking for a cybersecurity curriculum development SME. So Galvanize, you know, they're a um, you know, boot camp education company. So it looks like they're trying to
1: build some cybersecurity content as well. So if you want to teach the next generation of uh, developers how to, how to do security, number one, that'd be super valuable. Number two, here's your opportunity. Sounds good. All right, Alex, I think that is it for our... Um, for our news this week, we, I think we, but we do have a feature interview that you put together, right? We do.
0: Um, this week, I believe we have uh, an interview with Sarah Avery. Uh, Sarah is uh, well-known in the community, if you've been around. She was at Logarithm for a long time. She helped start the, uh, the ISSA's uh, Women in Security Group here in Denver. And, um, you know, it's just an all-around great person. So I sat down with her and
1: had a nice chat about, uh, you know, where she's from and where she's going. All right, looking forward to hearing it. Alex, thanks for your time. We'll uh, we'll talk to everyone again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Hello, this is Jeremy Cooper-Levitt, Managing Director of Assurance at Charles Schwab. This is Colorado Equals Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals.
0: Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. Uh, this is the feature interview, and today I have a very special guest. I would like to welcome Sarah Avery. Hi, Sarah.
2: Good afternoon, Alex. Thank How are you, you for having
0: me. I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. Good. What, have been, what have you been up to?
2: Oh, wow. That's kind of a challenging uh, question yeah. in it, COVID. Co-
0: COVID treating you
2: well? Are you guys uh, hanging out okay? Yeah. I mean, what have we been up to? I think it's sort of the same old, same old of Groundhog mm-hmm. Day, but um, we're making the best of it. And I'm yeah. incredibly lucky to have a wonderful spouse that I love spending the time with. Awesome. So that makes all the difference in the world.
0: Yep. Well, um, I think I originally knew you from Logarithm, and most people around town know you probably associated with Logarithm, but you've also got a new job. I do. You're, you're not with Logarithm anymore.
2: I am not. After 11 years and 11 months, I decided it was time to make a change. And it's interesting because most people do know me as Sarah at Logarithm. So right. I've had to pivot the you know, sales identity crisis or who am I because that was such a part of my psyche. For yeah. so long. Well, I mean, eleven years is a long time. Eleven so. years, eleven months. Well, because okay. that's my lucky number, so I like to like say eleven, eleven. You did, know, did a long you, time.
0: Did you give notice on November 11th? Uh,
2: no. No. So what? You have to like rain on my eleven, eleven parade. <laughs> Thanks che- a lot. I'm just checking <laughs> know, how far you're taking
0: this, Sarah. Just, just checking.
2: Eleven, eleven, eleven years, eleven months. Um, yeah, and I'm at ZScaler, and I am absolutely thrilled awesome. to be. Somewhere new, doing something different, learning something else, um, and taking on a new challenge. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Um, before Zscaler and before Logarithm, though, you are actually a Colorado native. Um, that is not something that
2: uh, folks around here see very often anymore. Unicorn. I yeah. Think they call me a unicorn. I am using yes. a unicorn with these, <laughs> you know, flowy hair and glitter. Sparkly. So let's go with sparkly and, yeah, and pink hair. Um, I am. I won't say how many years that I have been in Colorado because that will date me. And since this is a podcast without cameras, they don't know how old or, or young I am. But uh, yes, I have uh, grown up here and enjoyed every moment of it. Well, that's good. I did live in Phoenix for eight years, and I didn't enjoy that. But anyway,
0: well, uh, when you when you move to the uh, the center of the Earth, and you know, there's everything is on fire. Correct. Uh, I can see where you might not like that.
2: Yeah, the people, great the heat, not my thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had a member of my team who, uh, you know, too, who moved to to Phoenix, my Pulte team. Um, And uh, he's like, yeah, I I love it except for the summer, you know? So anyway.
2: Yeah. I had Um, somebody tell me when I moved down there, oh, it's not too bad. It's a dry heat. And I'm like, I don't care. 118 degrees at a dry heat. It's
0: still hot. So you know what happens in dry heat? Things Sleep. Thing, things dehydrate, they, they <laughs> yeah. desiccate, right? Like they turn to, to they crush wither and they up born. and die. Exactly, and we, no. we don't need any of that. No, we do not. Awesome. Oh, they yeah. do
2: have a lot of pools from where we started the conversation the, pre-podcast. They do have a lot of pools. They do have a lot of pools. Kind of nice.
0: So that that is a bonus. You probably yeah. get more pools in your backyard than you do here. Hundred um, percent. So, so since you uh, you were born and grew up in, in Colorado, yes. Um, I think you have a unique perspective and. Um, you know, it's gonna be a little different than most people. How have you seen Colorado uh, change from when you grew up here to when you are now? I mean, I guess sort of in general, but then also you know, maybe, maybe like in a business sense or, or something too.
2: Okay. Um, so we will take this from the perspective of pre-COVID okay. because yes. I think everything is gonna be turned upside down and, and on its head um, with COVID. But I can remember back in the day Driving to Winter Park because I was in the Eskimo Ski Club. If anybody's nice. been around here a long time, they know what the Eskimo Ski Club is. For people who don't know, it was a you know a, a ski organization where the kids would get on buses and we would go ski every Saturday and we'd love we'd our friends and we had the boys on the bus that were cute like all the things that would motivate us back then to go skiing. Um, and we could get to Winter Park in I don't know fifty minutes on a bus. So one of the big changes is you know the the growth. Uh, That we've seen the amount of people that we've seen come in. And, you know, that kind of goes to the traffic because now I go to Winter Park or Mary Jane and sometimes it can take you four hours. So I would say the, you know, population has definitely grown a lot. I think it's 800,000 people uh, moved to Colorado last year. Don't Mm -hmm. quote me on that, but I think that's about right. That's quite a few people it's quite a few people and so with that comes you know the expansive you know housing and the development with the buildings um so a a lot of people moving here you know specifically other than you know traffic one of the things that has changed is the downtown skyline right you know i remember waking up every day to that blue quest sign right um and you know that's gone and took me a little while to get used to it but now we have beautiful buildings like the optive and gates building and the four seasons so it's changed not necessarily you know better or worse but the the growth is there for sure
0: yeah as you know my wife also grew up here and you know we live on the south side of town and she's always pointing out to me oh hey when i grew up this part over here this just used to be empty fields you know, there was nothing here. And now it's, you know, a shopping mall or an office park or a whatever. And All of uh, it. Not too many
2: empty fields anymore. No, when I will drive down to Colorado Springs for meetings, it's yeah. insane to me. Like Castle Rock didn't exist, but certainly there was, it was empty fields and, you know, farmland yeah. and whatever. And now it's, you know, housing project after housing project after housing project. So uh, a
0: and, lot of growth. My first job out here was at IBM up in Boulder. Oh, yeah. But But I lived in Denver, so I drove 36 every day. Easy breezy, huh? And, you know, you'd get past, um, you know, like like the first uh, exit at, you know, for Westminster. Um, And then it was, like there was, it was fields until you got over the hill and you could see Your building, yeah. Yeah. And uh, now it's not quite exactly that way anymore. There's a little bit of a development over there.
2: But the good part of that is now there is an express lane. That's true. So even with the driving, you've got the express lane. Um, But yeah, as long as
0: the highway doesn't fall apart, you know, we're all good.
2: (laughs) A little bit of a, what was that, a hole or, uh, yeah, Yeah. something that kind of fell apart. I wasn't there at the time, which is good. I'm still alive. That is good. Yeah. God, you weren't too.
0: Yes. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say on that topic too was um, when I've, I've been out here 23 years now. Yep. um, And I remember like the biggest thing I can remember about downtown Denver when I first moved out here was like, wow, there's so many parking lots. Like yeah. like downtown was like you know two thirds surface mm-hmm. parking lots mm-hmm.
2: and, and not the, anymore. Now it's those are all gone. Well, the ones that are left are now being used yeah. as uh, outdoor eating areas. So I guess yep. that's good that there are some left. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. So the growth, the skyline, um, from a technology and business perspective. Um, I mean, there was a lot of oil and gas. It's kind of sad to see where, as you know. Yeah you know, kind of what's headed there. Um, a lot of empty buildings downtown, I think, as as a result of uh, the pandemic. But here we go, dating myself again. But MCI, and I mean, we were huge, Telcom, 20 years ago? Yeah. Maybe. Um, so I think we've seen kind of the way of telcom, Telco, Telcom, you know, kind of go away, although Dish is here. So maybe bringing that back a little bit. And then we've had to you know, reinvent ourselves into different lines of business, which is where technology and cybersecurity comes in. I think what we just moved up the ranks to be number seven for technology. Yeah. Um, so that's good stuff. I think Colorado does a good job pivoting when we see something going awry to, to pull it back and, and find a way to thrive. For sure.
0: So For sure. Uh, for so, sure. For sure. Uh, so we just said that you spent almost 12 years at Logarithm. Yes. Um, but i'm going to give away a secret you probably had a job before that so where did you start
2: oh where did i start yeah we want to go like way back on where i started or (laughs) my tech career Uh, well whichever you want to do okay well i'll tell you my first job out of college because it was actually i love this question um the most rewarding job that i've ever had um which is what took me to arizona okay i uh, went to work for a clothing company, and when I was offered uh, the job for a clothing company, back then I didn't do my research, probably before interviewing, I didn't know any better, and I thought, I'm going to go to work for this hip clothing company in Arizona, and meet all these people, I was young, and didn't know any better. Well, as I get into the process, it was actually a clothing line for uh, folks that needed um Adaptive clothing in residence homes, like nursing homes, so the backs were cut out. <laughs> yeah, that served wh- a per- What's not stylish <laughs> about that? That's sounds perfectly stylish to me. Oh, let me tell you how I made it stylish. I was going to make this stylish gum Heller High Water. So uh, it was adaptive clothing, and you know, the the part that I loved about it was you know I had to get creative and find a way to help the residents enjoy what was left of their lives while yeah. also. You know, I wanted them to feel good in the clothing that was being presented to them. Sure. And some had a mind and some of them didn't. I did fashion shows. So I would go in and I would... I this is going to be on, on a <laughs> podcast and, and forever. But I would go in and set up these fashion shows. I would take the clothes. I would take the racks. I would have the... The you know women and men come in. I would sit them down. So I really love elderly people. Like it's my obsession. And a few, in a next life I want to do that. But I would sit them down. I did their hair. I did their makeup. And we did uh, fashion shows. That's I awesome. know it was awesome. So that was my first parlay into the sales world, if you will. But it turned out to be not maybe cool, but really rewarding. Nice. So Yeah. Taking it uh, back.
0: Yeah. So uh, so what was it? Um, that brought you back to Colorado. So you were down there, you said eight years.
2: I was down there eight years. Um, after my nursing home gig, I went into the trash business. Oh. Uh, real glamorous. Yeah, Selling recycling services. Okay. Something that's got to be you done. You know, it's got to be done. And yeah. it was recycling was really cool and hip yeah. and new back then. Or I tell myself these things, right? right. It's what you believe in, um, kind of keeps you going. So I was working for Browning Ferris Industries. Okay. Trash company. And wanted to get back home to my family. I'm really close to my dad and stepmom and wanted to come back and there was an opportunity through the trash company to relocate nice <laughs> you must be desperate that i'm on the <laughs> podcast i was really no. excited i was kidding everybody's got their own story this is my Sarah. story and they bring me back to um denver and yeah so i worked for the trash company for a little bit and that was before y2k all of the things, you know, Y2K could, all the um, conspiracy theories in the world, computers were controlling everything. I'm like, well, I want a piece of that. Like, I just, I, maybe it's the angst or the anxiety. I want a piece of what's really controlling all of us. Yeah. So I went to work for, do you remember South Seas Data? Oh, yeah. Back in the day, and they gave me my first uh, tech job as... Jeff Kowalski. It is Jeff Kowalski, and yeah. I can't remember Mark something, or I can't remember the other guy's name, but every time I see Jeff, and I'm sure he's, so tired of hearing me say you gave me my first tech job and they kind of laugh about it so that's awesome um, yeah south seas and then uh, through there
0: yeah and then you ended up in
2: logarithm so i started um i went to emc i wanted okay. want to go over that i stayed um four years at emc i know people think that's kind of a grind i absolutely loved it and thrived. that was through the whole like kind of um, mssp phase one. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward, went to a security company and then ended up at logarithm
0: yes. Nice. Yes. So uh, 12 years is a long time at a company. 11
2: years, 11 months. I'm, I'm, Are you not going to get there with me?
0: <laughs> Are going to say 11? Anyway. Well, I know. I'm kidding. I'm, getting, get, well, I'm, getting, I'm getting. Um, The, from the time that you were there to the time that you left, I'm, I know for a fact the company was very different. So, it was. so talk about logarithm when you got there. I, I'd imagine it's still a fairly it was still a fairly small startup at that point.
2: I was employee number forty. Okay. And um, I remember that always because that was my extension. Mm. Um, and if you can like think about this concept way back, like logging was like bringing all of your logs into a centralized repository, like kind of was a thing. People were starting to think about it. I remember thinking when they were talking about logging that, man, this is the coolest, most disruptive thing I've ever seen in my life. Because again, like, you know, challenges and things that don't go with the flow. You know me as a human, that kind of goes with my character. Um, And then this whole idea of, you know, correlation and taking stuff and, you know, giving it to people where they really need to figure out, you know, what they need to do in their, like giving them the the visibility that they didn't have or like what's going on based on all this computer data basically to take action yeah. with a human so um it was disruptive at the time and um i just i loved it
0: yeah, yeah.
2: so employee 40 that's where we're at cool tech if you fast forward now it's one of the most saturated markets quote me on that but one of the most saturated markets that's out there developing security operation centers and getting into ai and you know went from something that was you know, kind of new to something that everybody's trying to do. And that's when I decided it was time to leave. Yeah. Um,
0: So did you have essentially the same role the whole time you were there? Were you always a a salesperson, account manager kind of role?
2: Salesperson, account manager. But as, you know, at one point I had half of the US and then it would just kind of, as companies grow, my territory shrank, but your quotas go up. Um, The area that I was in the longest was Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma. before deciding airplanes weren't really my jam anymore and i wanted to come back to colorado and and i met you
0: yes and best
2: account manager i've ever had i love you Uh you're the best thank you i try hard i mean that's the whole thing we started with like i'm i i like people to be happy i want to take care of people and that's just who i am to the core so um i think that makes me good at it i think it makes you good at it too thank
0: you um so i i think you know a in many industries, but our industry especially, I think people just, uh, they they don't like salespeople. Yes. Um, the, at least, you know, the, the technical folks in our industry. Correct. They don't want to be sold to, they've they've had bad experiences of, um, you know, being sold a bill of goods. They're, you know, they Pressure. think they can, they can do it better themselves. Yeah. So, you know, the tight budgets, all that kind of stuff. Um, so what is it that. How did you approach things differently to be successful in an industry where where people didn't want to talk to you? Talk (laughs) to me.
2: Right. I would say I did a couple of things differently because relationships are so important to me. I mean, I I established those first. Um, So when I took over the Colorado Territory, I found that there were a lot of people that were pretty unhappy with logarithm and the technology. And I did the right thing to make people happy. So you... At Pulte, for example, we're pretty unhappy, we got you a free appliance, you got happy, but through that, getting to yeah. know you, we established a good relationship yep. you know, and trust. And I've done that, there were a lot of technology issues back then, yeah. I've done that through a lot of people. So I really, I live by the mantra, do the right thing and the money will follow. So I, I go in, I know people will do, I go in and I really try and solve people's problems. I mean, I really do, but I go about it in a way, and it's it's not strategic or conniving, of getting to know the people, educate in a low pressure way about the technology, and then, I mean, I'd love for you to tell me, but if, if I have educated you and we have a good relationship and you know that for a Zscaler example, and you're gonna journey to the cloud, you're going to call me, um, and I don't have to do you know a lot of outreach. So re- Right relationships taking care of my people and then you know women in security i didn't start that um to get to know people but as a part of that it's helped me with my brand and also helped me get some you know folks who know who i am that will take my call if i have to in fact call them
0: right um and yes and i definitely want to touch on the women in security stuff but yeah i want to ask you a couple more logarithm things first you go so uh, your show yeah so um, so, you know, we talked about how things were at the beginning and how the, the company grew. Yeah. Um, you know, through any sort of startup's uh, life cycle, well, not any, but, you know, many, it's, um, you know, we're, we're independent, we're running on our own, we're, you know, figuring out where the money's coming from. Um, at some point, you take money from somebody and then you take money from somebody else and, and then, then they want it back and then they want it back and, a and return. There's yeah. there's pressure on that and then... You know, I mean, ultimately, with Logarithm, you know, they were purchased by private equity, which is, you know, even that sort of next step beyond. It's not just taking money from somebody; it's you know, giving up ownership in the company for money. How did you see the the company change over that that time frame?
2: Wow, You're <laughs> s- set me up here. Um, how did I see it change? Well. well Keep it, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all, I think, is the, um, what your grandmother would tell you. But the way I saw it, Jane, you know, private equity comes in. And if I read what private equity companies do, they come in and take struggling companies, figure out profits, loss, EBITDA, all of that to turn them around to be uh, more attractive companies for another purchase or IPO or, or whatever, whatever yeah. that is. And I, I think I was a little bit um, blind to if we yeah. were struggling or not struggling at that time. Um, so when they, you know, came in and do what all private equity companies do, um, you know, they, they cut a lot of things. And so, and a lot of people um, have to turn the profit and make it, it look good. So for me, um, what changed was a lot of the people that I loved started leaving. I mean, when Logarithm was Logarithm in the day, we were working so hard to build the coolest company. And we all felt that like we were a part of something and we were a part of something good. Um, we, we didn't feel that way or I didn't feel that way. I don't wanna put words in someone else's mouth when private equity came in. Um, and then the cuts started impacting me and my ability to take care of the customers and my relationships. and. I just stopped feeling good about it. Um, Cause he said, why yeah. am I successful? I, I can't go at the core of what Sarah Avery is and who I am because I don't have the support for my customers. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. it's just the most important thing, so.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's always the hard thing, right? Is there's always gonna be change. You know, you, you can't stop from growing and there's only certain ways to grow. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've been in, in places where I'm just gonna you, ask you. Yeah, you start at. I mean, even so, you know, I started my career at IBM, and it, while it was a gigantic company, the the managed security services group that I was in was was really small. We were small and tight knit, and it was great. We were almost like a little startup within IBM. Yeah, um, and then we grew, and then IBM bought. Um, ISS, if you remember ISS from I back do. in the day, I do. Um, and then that there was an integration there, and it kept getting bigger and different people, and now it, it, everything was I don't want to say out of control, but like you lose control of what you have. It, it's, yes, it's not the same as what it was, yeah. and th- you know that it just makes it hard. Um, and you know, you know, in my case, I, I don't you know fault anything or anybody or holding any yeah. grudges like that, but because stuff is going to change and you can't help that. Yep. Um, but, you know, you, you always harken back to those times, the, the good old the days. The good old days. Oh, right, no. You know, back when it was good. The good so. old days.
2: Yeah, I mean, I miss so much when it was, yeah, good, and we were all working towards that common goal, yeah. and, you know, when you start to lose control, I think, yeah, it, get, it gets hard.
0: Yeah. Um, the, you talked about it a little bit, um, but sort of more generally, not than specific, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people uh, sorry, a lot of salespeople struggle in connecting with um, you know with their buyers in security. You know, talked about relationships, but you know, as, as someone who has been successful, and I think you do it the right way. Uh, what would you recommend to those the, the people that are, are cold calling me every day, or that are um, you know high pressure sailing me to to buy their stuff? But, you know, what, what advice do you give to them?
2: when i like turn that around a little bit on you and ask yeah. you a question because i'm always here to learn and grow and i know that i don't have all of the answers um you know as salespeople, a lot of our um you know s- salaries but a lot of the money we make is tied to commissions and so then we also have you we all have external pressures from our bosses right. who want us to make sales and and do these things and so then the necessary evil is those the cold calls um but I don't want to say tell people not to cold call. And I'm going to go back to Randall. Randall, I hope you're listening so you hear me say this. Um, He's the one who taught me to get involved in the community. Don't pick up the phone and cold call, but get involved in your community. Show people you care. Um... I don't, I'm just not a cold caller. And I don't want yeah. you know, to hear this, like I'm not picking up the phone and calling because if I believe you do it a different way, getting to know people, contacting them through what used to be events, but just get creative in how you're connecting and a cold call is not gonna do it. Let right. me ask you this question. So I, I recorded a video, cause I still now at my new job, I'm trying to connect with people in Arizona and um, New Mexico areas I've never called on. And I recorded a video of like, who I am, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just yeah. want you to know who I am, kind of what we do. Um, is that a different approach than a cold call? Would you even look at that? And tell me what works for you. Because for me, I know people here and I just established relationships because I love love people, you know? Right. And use my your peers, like you would yeah. help me in accounts too.
0: Well, and I think- um, so, so. Did one I one even th- answer
2: your question? There's
0: I, so much to it. You, you did answer. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, from my perspective, one thing is, if if I have met you and we've made a relationship through an event, through a uh, something, through whatever it is, besides your sales activity, yeah. If you're calling me now, it's no longer a cold call, right? Be, be, you know, maybe it, it's a uh, warm a call, lukewarm call, depending Correct. on on whatever. You know, it could be a, you know warmer than that, depending on what our relationship is. But yeah. um, you know, at least I know who you are, yeah, and I. I know what you're doing and, and stuff like that. It, if, if someone is just reaches out to me blind, yeah. um, the, and the thing I hate the most is s- someone will send you a meeting invite. Um, that
2: drives me bonkers. With, I would never do that
0: to someone. Without ever having met you before, yeah. it's like, hey, I wanna meet with you, here's the invite. Well, Cause someone's gonna accept that. Right. <laughs> I. Somebody must. If it, if if they keep doing it, then someone must actually accept. It's or does like, people higher than them think that that's a relevant maybe, strategy? Maybe. But know? it, it kind of reminds me of um, timeshare sales. Yep. Right. If so, if you go to a, a timeshare and then they have the whole high pressure, well, you know what? This deal is only for right now. If you don't book within the next two minutes, uh, then it's going to go away. It's going to be a lot more expensive if you really want it. Yeah. Um, you know you've got to lose so many people because of that because no one yeah. wants to be told what to do or how to, to do things but they continue to do it so it must work on some people
2: well if it works on uh. the timeshare i mean that was a big business yeah. for a while but i feel like what that makes me lose if i if i were to say to you and i would not your price goes away right if i say that it's and somebody's making me say it i'll say but it's not really going to like i'm a, right. I, I lose credibility because we're always right. gonna honor that price. And so right. for me, in building the relationships, it's all about, I'm gonna tell you the truth. We're, I'm gonna be, you know, not force you to do something. Um, yeah, it just, like, I am genuine, like, you have to be genuine in what you do. And those are tactics. And someone on your side of the chair We'll see right through that. It's not yeah. our timeline. It's always your timeline. And as a good salesperson, if you plan that timeline together, you're probably gonna execute on it better and salespeople won't be in this, oh my gosh, why didn't we get it done? It's the end of the quarter and you know, playing all these games. Like do your business the right way, manage it the right way right. with your customer and you don't get into those yeah. high pressure games where I'm gonna take this away from you. You know how much I love people taking stuff away from <laughs> me? Not at all.
0: So. I, I think one of the other things too is um, some of the responsibility does fall on our side, too. Yep. Um, I think we need to play, we being the uh, the buyers, need to play by the same rules also. And I try and be as open and honest as I can. You always are. With, with salespeople, right? Yeah. It's like if you come to me and say, hey, I want to sell you XYZ, and we're having a conversation, and I say, okay, I would love to hear about XYZ. I don't have a project for XYZ. I don't have a budget for XYZ. I probably don't even need xyz but i you know i'm willing to hear you out about what it is um i've just laid it out there for you so that when we have this conversation you know after you're not going to turn to me and go okay now how many are we, we going to buy
2: yeah
0: i i told you if you yeah. want to keep this relationship going you're welcome to if, if i have the time but yeah. it, you
2: know it's probably not going to be fruitful for you at least not right now so and, li- and listen to what you've heard right. don't always it is not at the end of the day yes you want to you know, earn the money in your paycheck by getting this done and retire a quota. I mean that's right. the that's the gig. But you don't want to not hear what people are saying to you. I mean that's quickest way to, you know, you want to have a relationship, quickest way to burn a bridge. I mean, you did it for Zscaler the other day. I thought it was amazing. I got to listen in. And at the end, you know, in the beginning, you kind of set the stage. I want to learn about this great technology. I might be putting words in your mouth. Let's go with, I think you said great technology. <laughs> I said, this um, is amazing. This is this the amazing. I want to buy right now. Wait, you're not going to hard close me on that right now. Um, but if the rep had tried to push on that harder right. then you won't take that call anymore. And so it's just kind of not worth it. And just the the whole high pressure thing, I just. So let me ask you a question. Sure. So um, since we are salespeople and do have management asking us to do things and we do have quotas and we do need to uh, feed our families to make it a little dramatic. um, Wouldn't be Sarah if it wasn't a little dramatic. You know, what is the best approach for you, um, like, If someone doesn't know you, is there a way? So I know not everyone is like this, but
0: me personally, Mm -hmm. if someone says, "Hey," and uh, you know, COVID is, um, you know, we'll we'll take COVID a little bit off the table because it's a little bit different now. But if someone says, "Hey," um, I would love to buy you a cup of coffee and just spend half an hour talking. I almost always will accept an in uh an invitation for someone to go have coffee um Hmm. and you know is that part of your you want to educate yourself on the technologies in the world kind of a so i um i think this more goes back to my uh my feel of community Mm -hmm. so um if someone wants to come and and hang out and spend half an hour and talk about um if it's their their product great if it's about what's going on in the community it's about how if it's about how they can be better and connect with people or yeah you know, whatever it is or if it's just hey i want to to get to know you in a you know but a, genuinely a, get to know you not try and sell you something that's the key right and yeah. i mean I, I do understand as well right if you are trying to get to know me then there there's probably some underlying reason for you know whether it's sales or whatever but I'm still willing to have that half an hour of coffee with you and I will be open and say, hey, OK, this has been a, a nice conversation. Great. Um, I, you I'll know, give you a call. Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to blow somebody off. No. But I mean, it's um, if it's not right for me, if it's not right for them, whatever, I, I get it. Um, and it's that that openness. But if you just say, hey, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee. I only take half an hour of your time
2: great and the second part is that now we have a relationship yeah right now that's that's all that's you have established a connection to let it kind of evolve the way it's going to evolve as hard as that is for people
0: even if i never see you again as part of your current role maybe you go somewhere else and you're selling something that i might be
2: interested in okay
0: i know you now we have talked before um then it makes it that much easier again i know not everyone is as willing to give up. Um, some of their time to
2: to do stuff like that, but uh, you know that's kind of just that's how I am. So when well, it goes back to if you do the right things, the money will follow. Don't focus right. so hard on the money and getting a deal. Right. Focus on everything that's in between, because everything in between is going to be incredibly rewarding anyway. Yep. Let me ask you this question. So <laughs> um, now that I have your attention, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the Sarah story. Now it's my <laughs> turn. Okay. Yes. I'm turn this around on you. Well, I mean, you you know me, and you know I'm genuine, and I like I have to um, there, you know, there are sales techniques that I'm hearing about. Yep. And one of them is, you know, look up, um, cause I like to try and you know, hone my craft, look up something that they've done recently and send an email. Like I saw you present it, blah, 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 blah. So to, for me, that feels disingenuine. Like, well, if you, if you actually did, well, of course I would only do it if I did, but still, right. so it's, um, how many other people are doing that?
0: Yes, I agree. Um, it, to me, it, it usually does sound disingenuous. Um, if you if you did it as part of another ask, like, "Hey, I'm not just blindly reaching out to you because you're on a contact list. I do know a little bit about you, and I did see this thing. Okay, maybe. Um, but I mean, in general, I'd rather you just reach out and say, "Hey, um, I, I don't know you. I yeah. know you. I know you don't know me." Um, I would just, I would love to spend thirty minutes. That's all I'll take. What you know, whatever it is, I won't sell you. I'm just want to yeah. s- start something, that kind of thing.
2: Understand so. where I'm coming from. I got my bosses breathing right. down my neck, and yeah.
0: yeah, Well, and I mean, I get it from their perspective. They want you to sell stuff. That that's what yeah. they're they are. But um, you know, hopefully, if if there are more people like you that are trying to do it the right way, then eventually there'll be more people that are. You Know regional sales managers and VPs and whatever that are like, Oh, well, I'm not going to pressure people in this way, even though I know we need to make numbers. But maybe I mean, if I'm we being could solve more the optimistic. world
2: problem. Yeah, solve the world <laughs> problem. It'd be really great if you guys could publish all of your projects and who you're willing to look at and when right. you could take phone calls from right. us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then what, what, let us call you. Like, what, you what tell us what is to do. And, yeah, I'll you can us all- send the check. I don't have to say who's the champion and who's my business buyer. If you just publish it or send us, you know, in an email what your priorities are. But what are, um, yep, Sarah, Show we're (laughs) going to turn the tables a little bit more. Is that okay? Sure. So um, I read something the other day about, um, you know, priorities changing due to COVID. Um, One was foregoing upgrades. I think the other one was consolidation of tools, uh, remote workforce, obviously, and making people more productive and effective. Are those things that you and your CIO are talking about? And like, what is COVID going to do? Do you think to budgets this next year and all of that? Yeah, how have priorities shifted?
0: I I think um, I think that there will be a lot of people that are looking to get leaner. Depending on you know what business segment you're in, it may be like really, 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 really lean. Like we're only going to keep the most essential stuff and. You know, work really hard to get out of contracts we already have, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think even even companies that are doing well, I think that they're probably going to try and tighten the belt a little bit just because of you know how uncertain things
2: are right now, right? Um, Do you think they'll and, take a pause and like figure out what their their well, security and network strategy is going forward potentially? But I I also
0: think that there are you know, there are companies that, not not every company, but I think there are companies that are gonna be thinking strategically um, and may say, oh, hey, this whole thing caught us flat footed. There are gonna be some things that we need to do to make sure if something like this happens again, that, that we are prepared. Um, and that could be like business continuity wise, that could be- uh, Journey to the cloud,
2: cloud, see how I did that. You know?
0: <laughs> You know, people-wise, you know, where people are, all that kind of stuff, I think, yeah. is going to be uh, a focus for the for the smartest, you know, most strategic thinking companies right now. But there yeah. are, you know, there are industries right now that are still making basically zero revenue yeah. uh, since March. And, um, you know, if you're not making any money, it's tough to spend money. Yeah. So, But
2: if yeah. you're not making any money, is it, some, um, you know, realistic for me to think that you may um you know look at what you have to consolidate spend to save so
0: um potentially my my guess is that um if people could make the numbers work they could think about consolidating to save yeah um you know it's tough if you have to put out a big outlay to to save in the in the long run yeah i mean sometimes that that's a legitimate strategy and people do that but i think right now it's more okay i i I can replace these three products with one that has all the features maybe they're not best in class but I can yeah. I can do that and get away with it or I know one platform I have I can just add some licenses to that and get right. rid of another platform that has a similar function but we weren't using it those kind of things so yeah um, gotcha. All right my turn again Sarah okay back, back gosh
2: dang it um, see build relationships and you ask questions and it's amazing what information that, you can get
0: That's right So we talked a little bit about community
2: yep. And uh,
0: you are big in our community because you helped start the Women in Security group with ISSA. I know, did. I so did. let's talk a little bit about that. What? Kay. How did that come about?
2: Um, how did it come about? Well, if we go back to Sarah's a native, it only seems you know apropos to Doc. Uh, like my you know my mom died when I was little. Um, throw the vulnerable part in there i think they say that's a good thing to do when you're telling a story i'm just kidding but um she died when i was little but the things that i remember from my mom is you know she was a leader in the equal rights amendment in the 70s i was raised on free to be you and me and free thinking and to be they told me I was bossy now they call it a leader but i mean i was just raised to empower women and so it's who i am to the core it got started when i was covering kansas and missouri i got uh, linked up with a group of great cybersecurity professionals in kansas and missouri that were starting their own women in security group as part of the initial meetings and i love the feeling and the empowerment and helping you know students get into cybersecurity and you know a lot of tech folks. I'm generalizing, and I don't mean to generalize, but some people have challenges with large, you know, group settings and self-esteem anyway. So I just saw people that were um, uh, scared to kind of talk in large groups. Yeah, won't give the specific example. Um, just say, you know, this is the first meeting where I've felt comfortable right. expressing myself. So that was in Kansas and Missouri. And when I came up to um cover colorado again for logarithm i thought i you know i, I want to do that because again it, it's at my core so i was at our misc i think it was our trade show my first one in the region i didn't know anybody and i've had this on the brain and you know me it's like if something's like i'm excited about something i've got to talk about it and this woman walks up to the table I have no idea who she is at all. And I just said, let me ask you a question. What do you think about this idea of doing a women in security group here in Colorado? And she says, I think that's a great idea. I think they've tried to start a here before. Hasn't really started. You need to go meet this guy, Rob Reck. <laughs>
0: I'm
2: like, okay. I don't know who Rob Reck is. Come to find out it was Debbie Blythe. Me either. I don't, I don't know you don't knows. know him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with him? It was Debbie Blythe. And she was just
0: good random person, right? To
2: pick. I had no idea who she was, and she was so smart and nice and all of these things. And she, so my idea, she really gave me the all the information I needed because he was the then um, ISSA president uh, to go have the conversation with him. So I'm not gonna, you know, set up a call. I want to start a whiz group. We chat um and he kind of gave me the look you can verify this with him like we've tried to start this before this never gets off the ground here's another person who's gonna try and i think he will tell you it was the fastest he's ever seen something get spun up um i got liz from optiv emily from uh, Proofpoint, steph from net who's now at netscope she was at checkpoint at the time um we just gathered up a and of course nancy mary Um, and Debbie and Sue LaPierre, but we just got a group of women together and to see this thing take off, I think that was in, we had, I guess it wasn't Armisc, it must've been earlier in January. Anyway, we had a meeting spun up uh, that had maybe a hundred people within six weeks and a great board and it's just uh, gone on from there.
0: That's awesome. And so you guys, I know pre-COVID, we're doing quarterly meetings, uh, getting everybody together in person. Um, how has how have things changed since uh, everyone's been forcibly remote?
2: Yeah, well, like everybody else, we have moved to a virtual world. Yeah. Um, but we have not seen anyone, I don't think, drop off from ISSA from membership and the participation. So the last meeting we did was kind of all around security and the changes in the remote workforce. And we had a panel with Debbie and Mary and, and Sue and um, Erica Boyle and Jane from Vertifor great panel um everybody loved it. Like everybody loved being back together and we got t-shirts yeah. to make it like the community in here. We're all here to support each other. And then we have our next meeting, September 15th. Okay. Um, I was listening to your last podcast and Rob mentioned Tyler Warren for the, you know, from the summit for yep. cloud security Alliance. Yep. We're doing it in conjunction with their September meeting. Oh, nice. Yep. So we can bring that together. Cause this is as much about empowering women as it is empowering everyone. And we, you know, the co cohesivity that we need to work with our, um, peers, whatever, you know, who whoever, whatever gender, whatever, yeah. uh, pronoun, um, that we have, we want to make sure that we include everyone. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're doing that September 15th and the topic, and this is the only time I've been self-serving a little bit is sassy. Um, but I also secure access service edge, but I also think it's a very relevant topic right now. Um, we have, uh, Joe, um, Scarupa, who was the okay. sassy author from Gartner, um, has agreed to come and do a presentation okay. with us. And the only reason they said they would do it is because all the vendors are playing so nicely together and empowering each other. Nice. So, yep. And then we have a fabulous panel uh, that's going to participate in their journey to the cloud, what it looks like, what they've learned and all of that. So I'm really excited.
0: That sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, I know people will be able to find more information about that on the Colorado Equal Security uh, event page, but where else would they look for uh, women in security stuff? Uh,
2: uh, on our on LinkedIn, so we have kay. a Women in Security page on LinkedIn, and then since we did start through ISSA, Rob Rack, um, they send out all of our invites. They've been incredibly supportive, but the presidents and everything have changed uh, to get the information out to our members, and so we do it all through ISSA.
0: Awesome. Yep. Well, you know what, Sarah?
2: We are just about out of time. What? Can you believe that? I feel like we just got started. I know. Can I do one uh, more shameless plug for Wiz? We just uh, placed, I think, our 10th um, mentor intern into a full-time job.
0: Talk about talk more about that. You guys have a, a mentoring program?
2: So when we had a bunch of us running Women in Security, we had an official mentoring pro- program. Okay. Um, I don't know how any other way to say it, but it's it's kind of me right now. Um, but the good, like Chris Martinez from bank of America, you like people reach out to me and say they have internship positions and through the meetings, I know the people and, uh, we put them together. So yeah, wonderful gal who was the intern for Chris Martinez is now over an entirety, just secured her first sock job. She's absolutely thrilled. So it's not official, but I do everything I can when people reach out to me to put them in those positions and connect them with all you wonderful people who take my calls. That's awesome. Um, I, I know
0: from experience, volunteering is very hard. So I want to say thank you for doing that. Thank for, you for that. saying that. Um, it, it sounds like maybe you could use some help in uh, workload with women in security if, if other people want to step up and help volunteer. or Do you need people?
2: Well, uh, let, let me rephrase. So the mentoring part oh, has I fallen see. to me. And it's also just because, you know, lack of time to build that back up again. Yes. No, Steph, I mean, Steph Jasper at Netscope has been phenomenal. She's kind of my right-hand gal. Uh, Liz at Optiv is still amazing. Okay. Emily. So I know I... No, I Debbie, all the people I mentioned, everybody yes. is still helping. So, okay. yes, volunteering is a lot. It's just the mentor program. Um, it was our good friend Nancy who oh, is now in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure she would still do Boom, it. But we, we wanted her to get settled. And we miss you, Nance, so much. But anyway, yeah. it, it, it really falls on me that I haven't had the time to build it back up. It. And it's just, you know, right. we will. But thank you. Awesome.
0: Any other topics we didn't hit, Sarah, that we, you wanted to talk about?
2: Well, let me look at my copious note um, no, I don't think so. Awesome. We're good. I thank you for
0: appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you, you stopping by and doing the interview. Um,
2: all you CISOs and CIOs out there who want to go to Sassy. Yeah. Take my calls, please.
0: Uh, congratulations on the new job at Zscaler. Thank you. Um, I'm sure people will be hearing from you if, uh, if they are in your target market and target area.
2: Um, Lovingly.
0: Lovingly. Not pushing. No, not pushing at all. So, um, thanks again. Good talking to you, Sarah. This has been Colorado Equals Security, and we will talk to you next time. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado Equals Security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado Equals Security.